Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parentingpodcast. You might have grown up hearing Bible stories, uh, hearing about Daniel and the lion's den, and uh, think, wow, that's awesome. I want to be like Daniel. It's easy to overlook uh, powerful truths in that familiar story, but it does tell us a lot about who God is and who we are as God's children. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta, who leads our parenting and youth department here at Focus. And uh, Jim Daly and I recently talked with Ray Vanderlaan, who is an author and Bible teacher and hosts the video series called That the World May Know. We asked Ray for some insights about the story of Daniel from the Bible. What about Daniel? That's how many years after David was Daniel, and what was the environment like for him? Probably about 500 would be a safe number to throw out. There's various dating schemes, if you will, in terms of exactly, but about 500 years later. That's an interesting story to me for some of the same reasons. The word used to describe Daniel's friends means a pre-adolescent or an adolescent. So again, we got middle school kids. We make Daniel's friends college age or maybe early career at 28. These are guys as young as the students sitting in here today, maybe younger than that. These are just kids. And there's an interesting commentary at the beginning, which Westerners don't pick up on. We believe it, but we don't pick up on it. Do you remember their names? They got these strange names. Meshach, Shadrach, Shadrach and Abednego. Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you look at the meaning of those names, they're awful. Shadrach means who is great like the god Aku? Now, who would name their kid Shadrach unless you loved Ahu? Meshach means I will do whatever Aku commands me to do. Now, Aku is the most disgusting, perverted god you could ever find in pagan culture. And he says his name means I'll do whatever he wants. Abednego means I am the slave of the god Nabu. Nabu isn't quite as bad a god, but Nabu's not a very nice god either. Now, who would name their kids that? Well, that was not their parents' name for them. We don't pick up on that in the first chapter they are given Jewish names. Their Jewish names are Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah. And one means the Lord is powerful. One means I will do what the Lord tells me to. And the last one, Hananiah, the Lord will rescue me. So the story is going to tell us which name will these young kids live up to. Hmm. Because it's the king of Babylon who gives them their pagan name. Why? Because he wants to change who they are. Hmm. Your name there wasn't just a nice word like Phoebe, and that's a name because I like that name from the Bible. A name was a description of who you wanted to be. So if the king gave you a disgusting pagan name, what he's trying to do is to get you to turn, to become pagan in your life. So the question is, are they going to live up to their pagan names? Are they going to live up to their parents' godly names? Hmm. Honestly, I look at these students sitting here in this room this morning, and if you were in my class, so it isn't fair to do to you because you didn't even know me, but if you were sitting in my class, I'd say, you guys all have two names. You have the name 
that describes how God thinks of you. He knows your talents. He knows your heart. He has a name for you, who he wants you to be in life, the stone he wants you to throw, the faith he wants you to live. God has a name for you. And I don't mean that literally like it's on a piece of paper. I mean, he has a description of you. But so does your world. You have a reputation. Other people think of you in a certain way. They describe you in a certain way in their own mind. Maybe you deserve it, maybe you don't. My question is, which name will you live by? You can live by the name of how God, who God wants you to become? Or are you going to live up to some other identity? And the evil one in our world, it's not a pagan king this time, would delight if you decide to abandon your God name and live up to some other title. It's the same dilemma these kids had. And these kids, my Jewish friends, are horrified that we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it's like the whole story is they were willing to burn to death not to be those names. How in the world can we possibly call them that? But that's a powerful moment. Now, in that, the king demands that they live up to their pagan names. And he says, you will worship me. And they say, no, we are going to be Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. They don't say it in those words, but that's what it means. We're going to live up to our God names. He said, I'm going to burn you to death. And they said, okay, go ahead. We would rather burn than be somebody other than who God has called us to be. So he throws them into this fiery pit. There's some archaeological evidence that suggests that actually was a punishment used, even evidence of places where that may have happened, like Roman Jews' crucifixion. They used this kind of immolation in natural gas fires that came up out of the ground in the land of Babylon. God saved them, if you remember. King put them in that fiery pit. They looked in, and there were four, not three, because there was an angel there protecting them. But then the cool part of the story raises the hair on the back of my neck because it brings us back to exactly where we started. The next morning, they were still alive. So the king fished them out. And then he said, praise be to the God of Israel who would protect these young men. And so all of a sudden we discover, ah, they were willing to burn, not just because they were brave, or because they wanted God to be happy. They did. They were willing to burn because they wanted the world to know about him. Mm. And the end product of the story isn't just God saves people in trouble. The end product of the story is if you serve him faithfully, he will be glorified. And that's that whole thing about God wanting to redeem a partner that the world may know. So Daniel's three friends are a classic example where the words aren't actually used, but whose brave action ends up with the world knowing about the God of Israel and a pagan king, no less, praising the God of Israel. Well, Danny, the scripture is pretty clear that believers are secure because Christ died for us. Uh, But the world tries to rattle that assurance. Satan tries to steal that assurance from us. What are some other lies that kids often believe, especially, let's say, during the adolescent years when, wow, now it's a hormone bath and there's so much going on? Really, it starts with the attractiveness. What is beauty? I mean, that's a big question mark. And I love to ask my kids that every once in a while, what have you learned beauty to be? What's beautiful in God's nature? What, uh, what is beautiful in a person? And many times what culture tells us, it's all external. It's a certain direction. They, they dictate that. 
But I think the main one, if I would boil it down to one, it'd be that identity has to be built, that somehow you have to build that. And that's through status in sports or other places instead of identity being discovered. Hmm. And so when you begin your life as a child of God, you get to discover your identity along the way. And in culture, the lie that adolescents are told is that you're building an identity by who you're with, how you perform, what you do, how many people follow you in social media. Yeah. It, it's all these lies about you having to, to, to prove your worth somehow. And really, it's a life of discovering who we've been created to be. And along the way, that's what, as parents, we can begin to talk to our kids about, hey, I'm so curious as to who God created you to be, and here are the things I've noticed. And what I love to do with my kids is the high five. I still do that with them every once in a while. I did it a lot more when they were younger. But we would I'd put up five fingers, and I'd say, I've noticed these five things in you of how God has created you specifically and I'm thankful for those. Hmm. And some of the times it's they're funny things, and uh, some are very, very obvious things. But my kids love that I'm curious in discovering who God has created them to be. And sometimes they've told me, hey, I, I noticed this about me. And that's what identity is about. It's a, it's a lifelong process. The, the crisis comes in the adolescent years, and somehow— Culture tells us that we find an identity and all these things in the teenage years. And it's, that it's an ongoing process of us discovering what it means to be a child of God. Mm -hmm. And we get to discover that as parents. We get to discover that as grandparents. Uh, in the different roles that we fulfill within God's calling, we get to develop an understanding of what our identity is. And so lies are surrounding our teens around this idea of having to build worth. Yeah, and as we've said in previous episodes, affirming your child is really a crucial thing, especially as become uh, teenagers. Those adolescent years are so hard. Uh, my youngest son uh, talks a lot, and I'll just say, gee, you have a way with words. You're kind of word smart. You, you seem to be able to use words. I hope you're using your words well instead of, you know, negatively. I mean, don't dish out sarcasm and, and, and dirt on people. Uh, build people up. Use those words for good, for positive. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the kind of thing you can do. We have lots of great ideas for you as a parent, particularly if you're trying to help your child uh, discover their identity in Christ and um, stop by our website. Certainly Ray Vanderlaan talks very uh, effectively about this in the DVD series that the world may know. The latest installment is called Cultures in Conflict, and we're going to encourage you to get that. It's a great teaching tool for you in the home. Uh, watch it with your kids. Uh, mine it for all the truth in there. It's going to give you some fascinating insights into the Scripture. Uh, we're making Ray's DVD, uh, Cultures in Conflict, available as our gift to you when you make a contribution of any amount to the work here of Focus on the Family. Um, you can find details in the episode notes, and uh, while you're at the website, be sure to check out our free parenting assessment, which helps you discover the things you do well and maybe an area or two to target for growth. Again, all the details in the episode notes or give us a call, 800-A-FAMILY. I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of Danny Huerta and the entire team here, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.